1: Hello there. Welcome to a brand new ArsBlog ArsCast right here on arsblog.com. Hope you're well. The interlull, that's it. It's done. Finished. Over. Caput. Finito. End of story. Until the next one. Yeah, there's another one next month. Ow. But hey, that's because they're having playoffs, you see, because the European Championships in France next summer, it's a big tournament. It's like 24 or 48 or 64 teams. I don't know. It's a lot of teams. Should have looked this up. But it is a lot of teams... Wales are going to be there, for example. Aaron Ramsey, he's going to represent his country at an international tournament. Wales's first international tournament since the 1958 World Cup. So well done to, to Aaron Ramsey and to Wales. Ireland are going to be in a playoff. Who knows who they're going to be playing? I don't know. Don't think it really matters, to be honest. It's all, it's all much of a much at this stage. They either will or they won't. But because of the size of the tournament, every single country in Europe has qualified. Every single one of them, without exception. Apart from, well, there was one, was not there in midweek, didn't didn't qualify. Oh, and it's no goal. Robin Van Persie, of all people, the man who was brought on to try and rescue the Dutch, scores against the Dutch. Perfect header if it's at the other end. Lovely placement. Just make it clear, of course, that this is to do with uh, Van Persie and Van Persie alone. It has nothing to do with the Netherlands, who who provided me with my very, very first ever football memory. Yeah, it's completely true. My first ever football memory is of the 1978 World Cup final. First Arsenal memory is the 1979 FA Cup final. I'm sure I must have seen Arsenal because I had all the football books and the the Rothmans books and the Stats books. And I had those uh, from a, a very young age, but I can't really remember... Uh, much about what I saw, what football I saw on the television, and I was so distraught that night when Argentina won the uh, won the World Cup. I was so up for Holland, and the guy hits the post, and then extra time, and they lose, and there's the ticker tape, and uh, I think that. I think that uh, game has had a an effect on me throughout my entire life. I don't know if you have a recurring dream at all. I have one or two recurring dreams. One of which is that I'm in the 1978 World Cup final stadium. Maybe it's just because I was a small boy and I was looking at it on the television, but it always seemed to me that the stands were were extremely steep, very sheer faced. So uh, I have this dream from time to time. I still have it where I'm kind of strapped into the seat, but literally it's like so. It's almost vertical. You're sitting in there, and you feel like you could you could fall down all the way down to the bottom, and there's all the ticker tape. So look, this is nothing to do with the Netherlands, but you know, from time to time, you just have to take these um, take these moments to to enjoy when somebody like Robin van Persie scores an own goal that proves quite costly indeed. So my sympathies to any Dutch listeners who are you know vexed and flummoxed and unhappy about not going to the European Championships. I think it'll be a, a poorer tournament without you. The internal squabbles that happen within your squad before every single one of these tournaments, I'm gonna to miss those, but it's really all to do with uh to do with Robin. <laughs> Whew, fun times. But it's been a good interlull overall for our attacking players. Now I'm saying this recording this, not quite sure of how groiny Alexis Sanchez's groin is. Now I'm hoping, given that he is the almost perfect physical specimen, he's got these quite stretchy, elastic groins that can take the sort of punishment that no man's groin should be able to take just lashes on a bit of the old deep heat, some kind of warming salve and sits there for a few minutes and and everything's good again. I'm hoping that's very much the case because if he comes back and picks up where he left off, two, no, three goals for Chile, I think. Yes, three goals, one against Brazil, two against Peru. And obviously that comes after his uh, goal-scoring exploits against Manchester United, a hat-trick against Leicester. The man is figuratively on fire in a footballing sense. And if he comes back and uh, picks up where he left off, that would be, that would be very good indeed. But Olivier Giroud, whew, poor Olivier, he's had a hard time of it and he's talking about how he's got to be more mentally strong. I think that's true. I think that shows great awareness. He does have to be more mentally strong, not simply because of the situation he finds himself in now behind Theo Walcott in the pecking order, but in general. He needs to be a bit more mentally strong, I think. But look, it is what it is. And the situation he finds himself in is is a bit of an unusual one at Arsenal because he has been more or less the undisputed number one striker for a long time. And now he's clearly not. That's not to say things won't change throughout the season. He could find a a spell of form that could get his way back into the team. Theo Walcott might not be able to keep this up consistently, in which case you're looking for someone like Giroud to come in and, and pick up the baton. But he scored twice for France against Denmark. Little help from Kasper Schmeichel, as we were saying on the sector, but he's going to come back and, uh, and feel good about himself. He has got three Premier League goals to his name this season already, which is actually one more than Theo Walcott. So... Um, you know, perhaps some of the criticism level at him is is just a touch of familiarity more than than him being an absolutely terrible, terrible player, which he's not. But now he's in a situation where he has to fight for his place, and two goals while away on international duty will do him some good. Joel Campbell, whether or not you think he's got what it takes to make it with Arsenal, and I'll say. I'll admit here now, I'm not sure that he's got a long-term future with us. But then I said that about Cochalan as well because of uh, his situation and, you know, a little bit of track record of getting this thing completely wrong. But hey, uh, if he surprises me, all well and good. But in the absence of Welbeck, he's got to provide that bit of extra cover, attacking cover on the bench. He hadn't scored for 18 games uh, for Costa Rica. And his last goal in domestic football was back in May for Villarreal. Before that, it was the World Cup in 2014. And before that, again, his last domestic goal was when he was on loan with Olympiacos, I think. So, you know, he's not been the most prolific, but a goal for him against the USA, well, that will, that will help. That'll do him some good. And maybe, just maybe, when the time comes, when we need him, because inevitably, we're probably going to at some point. Whether that's in the Capital One Cup or as a late substitute when we need a goal, Who knows? But it's good that he he scored a goal. Theo Walcott scored a goal. Santi Cazorla, only one of his goals last season wasn't from the penalty spot. And this is a guy who can do incredible things with a football. His technical ability is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. But when it comes to his shooting, it's like a bit all over the place and has been for a while. Good from the penalty spot, but, you know, he should be scoring more goals. Two goals for him against Luxembourg. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, he got a goal as well. It's, it's good. So it's good for these attacking players. Aaron Ramsey, he got a goal also. So it's all good, uh, provided these guys don't come back knackered. They've they've gone away, and they've got goals, and that will give them confidence and belief, and hopefully that will translate into good performances, better performances, and goals for us as well. I like it. I like it. I'm not usually a fan of the interlore, but assuming that they're not bollocksed, like fucked, then I have to say I'm... Uh, I'm a fan of what's happened in this Interlol. Wow. Gol in propia meta, 0-3. Ha marcado Van Persie in su propia portería al intentar despejar. Van Persie marca en la portería equivocada in su partido número 101. 0-3, Van Persie en propia puerta. <laughs> anyway, the Arsenal AGM was on yesterday and we're going to talk to Jeremy Wilson from the Telegraph about uh about what went on there. But there were some scenes apparently. Yep. People questioning, uh, Stan Kroenke over the old £3 million thing. Think it's safe to say it all got a little bit out of hand as our exclusive recorded from inside the AGM audio clip demonstrates.
2: Now I've got a question for Mr.
1: Kroenke. Uh, go ahead, my son. What is your question? You were recently paid £3 million for services rendered. Can you please expand on what those services were? Well, uh... They were services that were rendered to Arsenal. And in the sense that they were rendered services, I did unto Arsenal render them. But but specifically, what were those services that you rendered? Well, I think if you uh, take any kind of service and you render it in the sense that it is then rendered, it becomes a rendered service. And I did indeed render those services, and thusly, I was paid for the rendering of said services. Mr. Crocky, I feel like you're being a bit um, evasive here. Is there any chance that you could go into specifics about what exactly you did for that money? Well, uh, yes, I could do that. But uh obviously I I'm not gonna. It's because you're a big mustache-faced wanker. Sir Chips, can you uh deal with this gentleman, please? My pleasure, boss! Right, mate, get out of here! You fucking head. get! Out of here. You can't tell me what to do, you're named after potatoes! Yeah, I said fucking get! Out. Come on, you old fucker your head already! I'd like to see you try! <laughs> Fun times at the Arsenal AGM. But hey, I have an idea. We should find out what actually happened. That would be good. So joining me now to discuss all the goings-on at the AGM and a bit of football too, it's Jeremy Wilson from The Telegraph. Hi there. Hi. Let's begin with the AGM. It took place yesterday. As ever, a mix of good and bad and funny and maybe not so funny. <laughs> um, can we start with some of the good stuff anyway, which normally revolves around Arsene Wenger. And when he talks... In that meeting, regardless of what sort of pressure he's under or, or what people uh, think of him at that time, um, and we know opinions change a bit, he's always a fantastic speaker, a fantastic orator. And uh, from reading the tweets and everything, it looked like he he'd pulled it out of the bag again.
3: Yeah, I think that was when the, the mood was most of his it. most sort of happy, really, when when, when Arthur Mega was speaking and uh, when he was introduced. He, I think a few years ago, you could sense a certain more tension um around him and it's obviously still a little bit on a uh, goes result by result a bit and a, a tiny bit on the knife edge but I, I, I do sense that the two fa cut and i think people can see that the squad is more likely to to challenge to to actually win win the league this year so I, it, there's there's definitely less less sort of tension around him than there was a few years ago it can obviously change change very quickly and i, I think he recognizes that and he he spoke very well. I thought. I thought what was interesting as well, apart from how how he talked about uh, the season just gone and he, and, and, he, and the year that had gone, and he pointed out that Arsenal had the most points in twenty fifteen, and I, I think he genuinely believed that the, the team can go close this year. He, he also talked a bit more about the, the future than, uh, than sometimes he has done. And he, he sort of said, I want to bring big success back. i keep working to the last day of, you know, I'm more determined than ever till the last day of my contract. And then sort of, it, it was a bit on, on sort of life after, him as well. He he was saying that what was most important to him was that the next person was in the position to to be even more successful than him. Now, I'm sure he hasn't really made any decisions about about the future. I think he very much works contract to contract and then decides how he feels a few months um, or even right up until the end of a contract, as he did last time. But he's he's obviously given thought to how he wants it all to end, and and that I thought that was interesting as well.
1: Mm, I mean, he is essentially g- going to be the last legacy manager in in English football. A guy like Ferguson or like Wenger, who's been at a club for for a very long time, and there's always been that sense with him, hasn't there, that he has been. Uh, mindful of what might come after him in terms of the, the decisions that he makes, both uh, in the long term, uh, let's say looking at something like the stadium project, but also in the medium term and the players that he's brought in and, and that kind of stuff. Um, and he was talking a bit about, um, with Ivan Gazidis as well, the the potential that the club has to, to go out and buy the best players. Um, th- there was also perhaps something from Gazidis that... We could have heard the same thing from the AGM in 2011, 2012, 2013 about the way that the club is structured, that they want to buy players, they want to bring players through and they want to retain players. Was there anything specific about why the club uh, chose not to spend more than they did this summer?
3: It was really, he made this sort of big point about it's it's, it's a, our squad is a lot stronger than it was a few years ago, therefore to get to get the quality that makes a difference is more difficult it gets progress as our squad gets better it gets progressively more difficult to find players that that, that, that will improve it he's actually saying and if you don't buy the the right quality you actually end up putting yourself in a worse position that's more irresponsible and i think he said that shows less ambition than actually waiting for the right amount of quality And and he repeatedly said that there's Big money clearly available. The the money that wasn't spent in the summer rolls over, if you like, and then you get the new television deal as well. So the justification really was it was more of what what Arsene Wenger sort of hinted at, at at various press conferences that the the issue this summer was was that they didn't think there was anyone that was good enough to improve the squad at a at a sensible price. Therefore, mm. just just spending and I, I you know I can. I, you, you, we, we, I suppose the, the argument against that is successive transfer windows. You'd say maybe there might have been a striker, maybe there might have been a, a central midfielder. You, you can understand in one transfer window why it might be difficult to find the right the right player, but um, you could argue that the, the, they've they've had problems in a few a few transfer windows, and, and then that might you might say that points a deeper lying issue. But I do I do I think sometimes that they're the, the, some people say well leaving money in the bank is is a, is a waste but i don't i don't really go along with that completely because I think that what would be daft is to just spend the money to 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 always be at the point where you've spent all your money because then if a, a deal a Sanchez or an Ozil or a check does come up in say in January or next summer then you you're obviously restricted straight away. So I can I, I can understand the logic of keeping money back if you if if the right player isn't available at a given time because it's not it's not like the money goes away anywhere yeah. it just rolls over. So I can I can understand that and I do think that. I think I think with the transfer window sometimes it it bubbles up into a sort of cres- crescendo of uh, Arsenal must sign someone and I think at the start of the window the big thing is that, that, that none of the players are, are the sort of main players at the moment there's no great question mark over whether anyone will leave certainly there wasn't this summer and I think at the start of the window I didn't really expect Arsenal to buy a striker you expected them to to go for a goalkeeper, and they got check and made the central midfielder. But then, I think that obviously the Cocolan and cazola partnership made him change his mind. And that, apart from that, I didn't ever really think that. But 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 something sort of built around this idea of the Arsenal need a striker, which sort of came came a bit, but to sort of surprise me really, because I always I sort of felt with Sanchez. I know he's not a central, main central striker, but Welbeck, Walcott, Giroud, and 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 Sanchez as an option in that position. That that the club always felt they were quite well well off there. I think I think it was just because Arsenal themselves were interested in Benzema that that that, that took off really. But once they couldn't get him, I don't, I don't think they were they were that that bothered about anybody else. Mm. So the, the the logic is we we spend money when when the, when there's the right the right player available. Available, which I suppose sounds a bit boring, and <laughs> you, you, you know, you can you can say that you can't keep saying that every transfer window. I suppose that's the the thing that you might level at them. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I think the logic makes sense, and I think the, the squad that's been constructed is general is generally pretty good value for money. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I think most people that perhaps was the frustration for people was that they could see that the 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 bones of a really good squad is there, and just maybe with that with that little bit extra. But um, you know, Wenger himself said, you know, he's not afraid to to spend money. He says, "I'm aware that I have that reputation." So, I mean, that that's an interesting little comment on the side. Yeah. So he's, not, he's not totally insulated from what people are saying and thinking.
3: No, and the Schneidlin was was the one that surprised me a little bit because I think that that was. That deal was pretty much set up in January, as, as much as these are, and then Arsenal just didn't sort of push the button on it at the start of the transfer window. And obviously, Wenger's thinking was was what, what how would this affect Coquelin? Really, I think that was his thinking, and maybe at the time as well, Wilshere was Wilshire was had come back and 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 had, had played pretty well in the in the pre season, and at the end of the the summer, so maybe that affected it. But that was the one I thought would happen that just that just didn't. Um, and I think he was there to be bought, even though I know Man U came in for it, Man United came in for him later on. But I think Arsenal could have had him if they if they'd moved at the very start of the transfer window.
1: Away from Arsene Wenger, then there were questions for the chairman. Uh, so, Chips Keswick, about the payment made to KSE, Stan Cronkey uh, of £3 million for strategic and advisory services. And and last year, the explanation was that, well, we proposed this fee, and it was accepted, and it was paid, and there was no real visibility or, or, or detail as to what that payment was. The same thing has happened this year, and there was an air, obviously, of touchiness, about the way that they were being questioned about this. And Sir Chips uh, didn't seem to take kindly to, to a number of those questions. Again, the the thing is for strategic and advisory services, they're telling people we've already answered that question in full. For a club that is really mindful, let's say, of, of PR and of saying the right things and of getting the right message out there, why do you feel that there is such an air of, like, something is being hidden here? Like, I think... People will, if they're given a straight answer, whether they like it or not, accept that answer because at least it's been given. You might not like it, but here it doesn't feel like they're answering the question. They're trying to obfuscate and to to uh, to deflect away from it without without really going into any detail.
3: Yeah, I think I think he gave a tiny bit more detail, but where, you know whether whether obviously people didn't don't necessarily accept it or or believe it. He he, he sort of talks about an ongoing ongoing. The sort of advice that they were getting, which and, and it, the, the best way you could kind of try and understand it was that that he was suggesting that on he mentioned commercial media and sporting operations. I mean, it's, it's fairly unspecific, but mm. that the, 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 we speak to them. And there's a sort of ongoing dialogue with people at, at KSE that, that help, and I know that there's staff from KSE that are over in London a fair bit. Um, so it was as if the, that they feel that given that they lean on them that much that there should be some sort of fee but that there wasn't any there was no sort of detail to it and it didn't it clearly didn't sort of um satisfy anybody and i just i i i, I just think that they could make a lot better effort uh, just saying this is this is being more specific about what it's for mm-hmm. or if if they feel that they can't be explain why they they think that um we know that Stan Conkey has a you know, we know the culture of American sports ownership is that the owner takes a lot of risk when they when they buy a, a sports sports organization mm-hmm. and that and that some sort of profit or some sort of Payments are considered more acceptable, and I think if that's the rationale, or whether there are specific services that the that, that, and as I say, I do know that employees from KSE do are involved. There is a lot of cross sort of involvement, cross work. I don't really know why they can't either be more specific about the work or just say, look, you know, there's a revenue of three hundred plus million. It's one percent of the revenue we think for the the risk that the owner takes. The it's, it's non-executive directorship that him and his son have. This is. Then people might not like that and might not think that that's right. But mm. at least we we would sort of understand wh- where we stood with it. And I think that I don't think the Sir Chips's sort of manner. Helps with it. He was. He, he sort of gave the air of. You know, it was a bit dismissive. Whether he meant to come across that way or not, he, he, he did. And, and uh I just, I, I just think it could be handled. However, however they think is the best way to, or however they, they justify it, I think they should just be straightforward. However they see. Why they're making the payment, and they should just explain it to people. And I think, I think that would be a better sort of PR way of doing it. To be honest, I think that they're almost making a, a bigger thing of it by by giving this sort of impression that they're uncomfortable and mm. they don't want to answer it and, and all the rest of it. So, or that they, yeah.
1: they, they feel like they, they don't have to answer or they're not accountable. Ultimately, yeah. you Kroenke know, is the guy. He, he's the majority shareholder. He can, he can do that. And like you said, he is on record as, as being in praise of the Glazers, for example, who who have taken money out of Manchester United, as we know. So, I mean, do you think there's perhaps part of the reason why they, they don't give a clear and frank explanation is because they pro- they, maybe they can't. And they don't want to be seen as somebody who 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 is uh, who's sanctioning that kind of behaviour, knowing as you know this whole uh, issue of custodianship that the previous uh, shareholders had.
3: Yeah, there is that. I think there is a sort of kind of cultural thing, and they're not quite sure how to how to answer it in a in a way that would 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 satisfy people. And actually, the best thing to do is to stop worrying about that and just be straightforward about about it, and either explain how much time is spent by by people from. From KFC on on Arsenal matters, which as I say, I know that that, that, that does happen. Um, whether people from Arsenal also help out the the the, the sports organisations in the America in America as well might be the case, but I, I know that they, there is a lot of crossover. Um, so either detail that, or, or or if they if or if that isn't is exactly the the rationale just just say well this is this is you know, this is why we think it's it's justifiable and it's it's this percentage of the, the revenue it's not it's not sort of in the glazer league of, of money that's coming out but it's it clearly won't sit well with shareholders mm. but i just think that the that, the that just to have have a have an if they just had a sort of straightforward answer to it then it kind of stops all the follow up and all the sort of feeling that something's that something's not right about it, and I just think they should just be honest about it. And if they, there's obviously a different, difference sort of culture in America about about these sort of um, payments. But I just think it could certainly today. I think it could have been handled uh, a, a, a bit, mm. a bit more smoothly. Really, did we hear
1: anything at all from Cronky himself? Did he say any words?
3: No, he didn't, and that's. Um, that's I think it since he became majority owner I think that's the first time he hasn't sort of said a few words at the start of the meeting. So whether it's because he's a bit mindful that there there was this sort of feeling about this payment, I'm not sure. I don't I don't know the uh, exact reason. He I mean he was there and his son was son was there as well, Josh Josh Conkey. So they, and they they they've been to matches and a lot of the board meetings. I think pretty much all the board meetings. Um, so they're they're. My sense is they're more involved than, or as involved as ever, um, in the club. But um, I think it would be good if they did. If they did, sort of, you know, there, there sort of seems to be a slight concern on their side that if they, if they, I don't, I'm not sure the reasons why they didn't. He didn't address the meeting, but whether he's this payment, he thinks he's going to be heckled or anything, as the as chips was. But I think that really. I think that if, if 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 there is a line of communication and he explains things are explained, I, I think that he might find that it's not actually as, as sort of as as difficult as as, as maybe they they think really. I don't. I, I mm. think people just want want to sort of feel like they know where they stand. And I think I think aside from this, there's obviously this issue over this payment. But actually, I think that the the, the model that that he's run of, of basically letting Ivan Kavidis and and Wenger be be incredibly supportive of the manager and also the chief executive and supported a lot of the infrastructure projects and 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 given them lots of put lots of faith in them in the transfer market I don't I don't he doesn't go around putting pressure on them publicly doesn't try and take all the limelight I think there's there's a lot of things as an owner that that he does that I think most football clubs would want their owner to do, and you don't you don't see that from from all owners. But so you now I, I just sort of think that they, I, th- I think they could handle this fee issue. I think the club generally could. In in I think they should just be straightforward about it. And and even if they know that they might be giving an answer that not everybody will like, I think. Actually, it's better to just give that answer rather than the impression of sort of chips going around in circles over
1: it. Well, I guess he's doing nothing to uh, to rid himself of the silent stand moniker. Maybe the other thing as well is that if you don't say anything, you can't say anything wrong, per se. You know, uh, he must be, uh, he's not a stupid man, obviously. So I guess he's sort of aware no. of, the, of the, the mood in general towards uh him and and what what surrounds him and i think in some ways you're right that he is hands off and he's leaving he's leaving the the day-to-day stuff with the people uh who are perhaps who are definitely best placed to do it yet at the same time he's taking a little bit out of it for for himself or for his company, um, without really being able to justify that as well. So I, I think he's probably quite aware of of how uh, any any sort of speech or any few words from him is going to go down.
3: Yeah, I think I don't, I don't know if he's hands off day to day. I'm sort of he's hands off in terms of not putting pressure. I think he's pretty involved in a lot of the decisions, but. I think he's respectful of the sort of this is the footballing decision, and that's very much us and Wenger's territory. And in, and in fairness, I suppose the, the other other point that you can make is that what I think we would all like to see the owners of, of Premier League clubs be more visible and, and communicate more with supporters. I'd, I'd, anything I I'd say is I think they've they're they're there today. They've done a few interviews. They have addressed shareholders. They're they're more. They're more connected than any of the other sort of big billionaire owners of clubs. So that's the only thing I'd say. I'm not saying that we don't want more, but but I mean the idea that if you'd ever see Abramovich or, Mal- or sort of the Glazier family um, or or Sheikh Mansour uh, mm. uh, at one of these meetings, you know, just it just I, I can't imagine that ever happening. So I'm not saying that that makes that makes. It' perfect at Arsenal, but you know, I think there is more openness um, from the board and the the owners than you get at any other comparable club in in, in England. Tottenham as well, with Joe Lewis. You know, sure. It's, uh, as I say, I'm not saying that's perfect, but but it's uh, is there's more there's more access, and and you get more of a feel for the people running the club at Arsenal than you than you get at any of the other. Any of the other clubs of
1: that size. All right. Well, look, we'll see. Uh, no doubt, things will continue to fall out from the AGM over the next uh, over the next uh, day or so. But more importantly than that, I guess, is football, uh, and that returns this weekend after the international break. Arsenal face Watford after what was a a fantastic performance against Manchester United. Um, any any word on the inside about Alexis's groin yet? Do we know anything?
3: I think the general feeling is that he'll be all right. Uh, I mean, Arsene Wenger said this morning that he was a bit worried and that he he obviously would rather he hadn't played those games for Chile. He's not due back till this afternoon. I think they were um, Thursday afternoon they were training. Uh, so that's that. That will be the sort of time you know the next 48 hours we'll know for for sure on the next you know it will be very much done on two training sessions really but certainly the information that they've had from Sanchez and Chile is that he should be okay for Saturday so we'll we'll see and then the other ones really Koscielny I think there'll be a a late test on him and um, Arteta and Flamini will be back in the squad so it seems mostly a clean bill of health but obviously Mm. The whole Sanchez situation and just the amount that's sort of demanded of him, both for club and international, is a is a sort of ongoing question, I suppose. There
1: would be some who would say that look, Arsenal are playing Watford at the weekend, uh, and they should be able to beat Watford without Alexis Sanchez, regardless of how important he is, and he is obviously hugely important for Arsenal. Uh, but Arsenal have got Bayern Munich in the Champions League next week. Could it not be argued that Watford? Is a more important game for Arsenal's season than the one against Bayern Munich?
3: It could, I think, if you say that Arsenal will com- the, the big competition that Arsenal might be able to win is the Premier League, and you'd probably say the Champions League is is uh, is, is 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 less likely, you know, far less likely, especially after losing the first two games, you might not even get out of the group. So, yeah, I think, and I I, I sense that Arsene Wenger thinks that as well. To be honest, he would probably wouldn't quite spell it out in those terms, but I, I think with the team selections that he's he's made this season in the Champions League, does does suggest that he's he's really going all out for the Premier League this season. And I, and he know I think we pretty much know his is is what he sees as his best team at the moment. Yeah. Um, and may, maybe it depends you know, of Gabriel and, and Mertesacker maybe as, the, as, as one of the centre-backs but aside from that pretty much every other position you could you could sit down and pick the team now before before the game and know what he's going to do and I think we'll see that team in the Premier League and we'll see where there'll be a few changes in the Champions League. Um, he'd obviously say well, you know, I've got However, many twenty players, and they're all of the same level, and all the rest of it. But it, you know, he, he has a best eleven, and it's the eleven that that we keep seeing in the Premier League.
1: Um, yeah, and obviously they then have to continue where they, they left off uh, against Manchester United. The the front three, or particularly Macedo Alexis Sanchez and Theo Walcott, the the way that they combined against Manchester United is something, obviously, that, that Arsenal fans will want to see more than once, more than in a big game against Manchester United, more than as a response to a disappointing result against Olympiakos. You know, there are a number of contributory factors to that performance, and it'll be interesting to see whether they can do that after this international break, or perhaps there isn't as much pressure or as much focus, uh, but but people want to see them play like that more uh, more often.
3: Yeah, that's going to be the. I think with Arsenal getting that, yeah, I think this sort of first, it sounds a bit obvious, but the first goal is always really is really critical because where where Arsenal come unstuck, especially at home in the last sort of back end of last season and the start of this season, is is teams seem to seem to be able to defend against them in, in numbers and then and then sort of play on the break. But, but against Man United getting that early goal was just it just opened up the whole game and then and then you really see Ozil, Sanchez, Walker. I suppose the test for them is to do it in those games where where it's been nil nil for a while and it's starting to get a bit a bit tense around the ground and everything like that. And that's I think those those situations are still I think there's still a slight question mark whether they can regularly mm. open up teams that, that that play in that way against them. Or whether they might get undone a bit, as they did against West Ham in that that, that sort of style, um, a few times too too often th- throughout the season. So I think the signs are that all three of those are really really close to their their best at the moment. Sanchez scored three goals on international duty. Walcott scored another goal. They they all seem really close to their to their peak at the moment, and I think Ramsey as well will. I, I think there were signs he's uh, he sort of missing his goal touch at the moment but I thought there were signs in the, the way you started against Man United that he was coming back to where he was a couple of seasons ago so it's a it's, it's very exciting if they all if they all ca- carry on that that level but I think it's just it's it's just sort of unlocking those teams that, that play a certain style against Arsenal there seems to be a there seems to be a pattern of how how teams try and set up against Arsenal, and consistently being able to overcome that will be I think will be you know vital, sure
1: all right. Um well, look, we'll see how they get on, obviously, a midweek in the Champions League. Jeremy, thanks very much indeed.
3: It's a pleasure. Thank you
1: This is John Grills from the Creepy Podcast. with best Christmas ever on AMC plus, every day feels like Christmas morning. From new holiday favorites like Elf and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation to modern iconic family classics like The Polar Express and The Year Without a Santa Claus, you can spend the holiday season opening only the good stuff. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men. New series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. And you're also getting your favorite iconic Christmas movies without having to search. AMC Plus is available on all your devices. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff.
0: This holiday season, treat yourself, treat yourself to candy.
1: Thank you indeed to Jeremy. You can find him on Twitter at JW Telegraph. At JW Telegraph, I think. I'm just checking here now. Yes, at JW Telegraph. That's where you'll find him. And of course, in the Telegraph. If you have noticed, and if you're an eagle-eared listener, what's what's the equivalent of an eagle-eyed listener, eagle-eared, bat-eared Elephant-eared, who hears really well? German shepherds, they hear really, really well. You might have noticed a slight change in my voice between the last bit and this bit, and that's because it's now 11.13 at night, and I have been out, out, yes, at an award ceremony. Hmm. The Web Awards were held in the the RDS Concert Hall tonight here in Dublin, and it's all about the web in Ireland and who's the best at stuff and things, right? That's how it goes. So what's the best website for sport or what's the best app and what's the best thing and what's the best other what's it? And there was a category for best podcast, and I was in twice twice in that particular category once for this very podcast the Ars blog arscast and the other for my other podcast that I do it's called the 738 am podcast in that podcast i you know i just like chat to people it's one of those conversational interview podcast type things and it won that's what won amazing so i'm sitting here now with a glass of bourbon and i've just eaten a marks and spencer's pork pie because, you know, why shouldn't you eat a Marks & Spencer's pork pie on the night that you win a prestigious award? Yeah, I mean, if there's a good time to eat a Marks & Spencer's pork pie, well, every time, let's face it, every time is a good time to eat a Marks & Spencer's pork pie. But this was a particularly good time to uh, to eat a Marks & Spencer's pork pie. So uh, if you want to check that podcast out, you can by going to the website, uh, castaway.media forward slash 738am, or you can search for the 738am podcast on uh, iTunes or whatever podcast app you use, and you'll see the archives. There's good people in there, there's like Mark Marin. Dara O'Brien, Lenny Abrahamson, the film director, John Ronson, the excellent John Ronson, who I have to give some props to. I don't know if you actually heard this week the Adam Buxton podcast. If you don't know who Adam Buxton is, um, well, uh, you should find out because he's extremely, extremely funny. And he was um, he's done two of my favorite ever things. Because I'm a huge David Bowie fan, so to see him do the uh, the little skit that he did with the Low album, and also uh, one called Cobbler Bob, if you just look up Adam Buxton Low and Adam Buxton Cobbler Bob on uh, on YouTube, and you're a David Bowie fan, come back and thank me afterwards. It's uh, fantastically funny. But anyway, on the Adam Buxton podcast this week, John Ronson recorded a while ago. In fairness, he was talking about his favorite podcasts, and he mentioned the uh, the Ars blog, Arscast, Cast, and then he was very kind on Twitter as well talking about the uh, the interview I did with Dara O'Brien and um, you know so thanks John thanks I appreciate it it was great and your dog is awesome I like your dog Instagram stuff you guys know me at this point I am a total sucker for dog Instagram anything that's got a dog in it, I'm like in there I'm straight in but anyway check out John on Twitter on Instagram and make sure you read all his books because they're they're just they're just brilliant anyway thanks for all the shouts out and uh, thank you to everyone who listens to this podcast as well because it's, um, it's great. I like it. I like doing this, you know. Maybe I'm a little bit in my cups at the moment. But, you know, it's good. I like being behind a microphone. And I like that when I talk into a microphone and put it out there, other people like to listen to it too. So thank you very much indeed. I really appreciate it. Now we should move on to uh, what's actually relevant to this podcast rather than me just sort of half-drunkenly rambling. And uh, yeah, Watford tomorrow, half-past five, half-five kickoff. Away from home? I don't know what that means. I don't think that means anything, does it? I mean, kickoff times, days, it's all pretty much irrelevant. None of it really matters. I don't think it has any great effect on us whatsoever. We like to maybe look for patterns that that don't necessarily exist. What's our record in half-five kickoffs? I don't know. Away from home, half-five kickoffs? I don't know. I don't care. I just don't care. And we're playing Watford tomorrow. Can we beat Watford? Of course. Can what forbid us? Of course. That's football. Who knows what might happen? we got to see what's going on with the team. Mikel Arteta is fit. Matthew Flamini is fit. We don't know about Alexis, He's groiny groin. Come on, Alexis' groin. I watched that movie Inside Out uh, this week uh, about the, 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 the girl, the, the animated one with the girl and all the, the things are in her head, joy and sadness and all that kind of stuff. It was great. I thought, thought it was fantastic. Really enjoyed it. I'm a sucker for a great animated movie. But anyway, maybe that's what's going on inside Alexis's groin. He doesn't have joy and sadness. He's got fitness and non-fitness and pain and no pain. And those guys are scrapping it out right now for Alexis's groin. Think about it. Probably couldn't get away with that as a kid's movie. But, you know, there you go. So if he's fit, he plays. He's got to play. I'm not that invested in Bayern Munich in midweek. I want us to beat Watford more than I want us to beat Bayern Munich. But maybe that's because of the proximity. You know, after we beat Watford, if we beat Watford, then I'll be more invested in the Bayern Munich game. But for now, I think really we've got to be, we've got to be looking at like what happens in the Premier League is the most important thing, right? Europe, it'd be great to do more, but like we've kind of fucked it. So, you know, I'm, I'm all into the Premier League at this point. So what else? What else has happened? I don't know what else has happened. I think I should probably, at this point, try and say goodbye and put an end to this particular podcast. You can find loads of AGM stuff on the website if you like. There's a great big huge AGM report from Tim Stillman. It's taken me about three goes to say Tim Stillman didn't work out like that the first time. It was like, uh, but that's my fault. That's nothing to do with him. Uh, on Arse blog News, you should check that out. There's also a transcript of Arsene Wenger's uh, speech to the AGM. That was good. Inspiring. And uh, yeah, there you go. I don't know what else. What else can I tell you? I don't think there's much. There really isn't. A lot of people sent me a tweet this week about um, Phil Collins releasing an autobiography. But uh, Why? Why would you why would you send that to me? You know how I feel about about Phil Collins. Truly he is uh, history's greatest monster. I I I don't want to read that book. I don't want to read that book. Why would I want to read that book? I mean, I'm not one for book burning. I'm all for for words and literature and I'm all for people actually sitting down and reading books and not spending their lives watching Kardashians and and those kind of grotesque monsters, but even the Kardashians, dreadful people as they are, and they are dreadful, and I hope they're all eaten by mountain lions or some other wild creature. I'm I'm not particularly fussy about which wild animal eats them. A bear would be good or an ocelot. Yeah, that'd be fine. Look, I'm not picky. I'm just saying. But they're not as bad as Phil Collins. Phil Collins did in the air tonight, you know. It's just uh, its kind of a depressing way to end a podcast, isn't it? Oh God, what are we going to do? We need something to, to slightly cheer us up here. I don't know what I could, what could it be? What What could we have? What could we have right now that could make us feel better and make us feel less depressed about the world in which Phil Collins has got more money than you and I will ever see in our lives? I don't know what it could be. Oh, my God. Fuck this, fuck this up. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on! What about this? Auto goal, Van Persie. Auto goal, Van Persie. Auto goal, Van Persie. That's what he should name his next kid. Auto goal, auto goal, Van Persie. Right up there. Come on, Robin, keep it up. You're doing well. We're loving what you're doing at the moment. Just, just keep it up, man. It's fantastic. We're all enjoying it. A huge amount. A huge amount. I'm pretty sure he thought he would never bring joy to Arsenal fans again, but he's managed it. He's managed it. The the man has some talent, in fairness. But look, I think I'm going to go now. We've got Watford at the weekend. Then there's an Arscast Extra on Monday with James. We look ahead to the game against Bayern Munich then. Fingers crossed we've got three points. Alexis' groin is all, you know, stretchy and moist and, and good stuff and uh, we'll take some three points and then I just keep going after what we did against Manchester United. All right. So I think I should probably um should probably drink this drink now. And uh, thank you very much indeed for listening. I'll catch you on the next one. All right. Until Monday on the Irish Cast Extra. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye bye.
2: The vapors and turning Japanese right here on Holy God FM. Time now to go to our electronic box of post. If only there was a shorter way of describing the missives that you sent to us via the medium of the www internet. This one comes from Robin. He says, "Dear Holy God FM, I'm feeling very sad." I've had a terrible, terrible week. In fact, the last couple of months of my life have been so, so, so hard. I'm just not enjoying life the way that I used to. Everyone loved me for a while, and now it seems that they they all hate me. What can I do about this? How can I find redemption? Well, Robin, as I always say, if you turn to the light of God and give yourself unto him he will forgive you and you will be bathed in his light for evermore and you will feel much much better except he won't do it for you he already told me he said if he writes in just tell him he's a cunt who am i to argue with the man upstairs eh so robin you're a cunt right taking us up to the news here's one that even old father dermot likes he dances around the sacristy to this one all the time. This is Mantronics. Got to have your love on Holy God FM.